0: The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only, and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice.
1: Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts, self-made money magnet, Steve McKnight, and esteemed journalist, Rowan Wynn. Welcome to Money Magnet. My name's Rowan Wynn and joining me again is, of course, Steve McKnight. Steve, how are you going?
0: Good, a pro Rogue. row. Good to see you on today.
1: Now, mate, in this episode, we're talking about the secret to happiness, which sounds like a fairly big topic to tackle. It
0: is a fairly big topic and we could probably spend the rest of our lives theorising around what to do, but we do have a financial bent to what we talk about on the podcast and on the episode. So the principle that I want people to get up front is don't just count your money, make your money count.
1: Okay. Now, before we get to that, though, let's talk about The Elephant in the Room. We're a few episodes in now, and I think a lot of people are enjoying it, is the feedback we're getting. But some people are saying, "Will it get more practical. Now, they probably haven't read the books. So they don't realize how much practicality there is in the books. So let's talk about what the podcast may look like in the future.
0: Absolutely. And remember, the first four episodes that are available are around the introduction to the book, which is a warm-up. And what we want to do is we want to move on in time to the practicalities of how to make, manage and multiply your money. And that will involve specific educational instruction around the things that I've done to be able to amass a multi-million dollar wealth fortune. And some people see it as a fortune, I just see it as amount of money empowered to do things with. So these habits and these skills, tools and techniques are coming. But for the moment, what we wanted to do is make sure that we got off on the right foot with everyone and get some really simple, basic, but fundamentally important principles laid out.
1: The episode that I'm looking forward to is the Lotto one. We talk about Lotto tickets because I've read that part of the book and I know where that's going. And I think that was absolutely fascinating. And there's a lot of that coming down the line in the podcast, isn't there?
0: Yeah. People leaving their financial future to chance rather than choice. And that's never going to work out well.
1: Yeah. But there's still a chance, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. your choice. Anyway, getting back to it. Making your money count sounds like a fairly nefarious thing to say, but it's actually quite practical as well, isn't it? You need to actually choose the way you're going to make the money and have a proper plan to get there, like you've done with tree change, for example.
0: Everyone starts with survival because we want to know that we've got enough money to pay the bills and that we're not going to be destitute or desperate. The problem with survival is that it becomes people's focus. And as their life starts to run out, I've heard it said that on the deathbed, no one says, I wish I had worked harder at work or I wish I had have made an extra ten or $20,000. What people tend to say is, I wish I had have taken more risks. I wish I had done something more meaningful with my life. And that is the significance piece that is often missed. We're so busy and focused on making bank that we forget that we have something that we can do with our lives to touch, move and inspire other people, but we leave it too late.
1: Yeah. Although you can kind of understand why people- <laughs> I do. love it. Yeah. That that sounds like- That's uh, me well, agreeing as I'm about to disagree. Uh, exactly. No, but I kind of- do, No, I do agree and you're right. But I guess I'm going back and saying, I know you're right, but it's easy to get stuck in the rat race is the point I was going to make. I understand. People are busy trying to get the kids off to school, trying to make a living, worry about the husband, having an affair with the secretary, whatever the hell's going on in their lives to think about the big stuff and say, well, what do I do about paying off a mortgage and getting- that freedom back in my life financially. People are busy is my point. I'm trying to be compassionate.
0: Okay. I don't know why now is the point to bring out the compassionate side of Rowan, but <laughs> that's <laughs> harsh. it's good. It very compassionate. It's good that it's come out once in all the podcasts that we're going to do and well, all the episodes we're going to do. But it's a
1: private matter. I don't publicly talk about it.
0: You've just triggered a, a memory which I had repressed at the end of year 12 for the final year 12 magazine at the high school that I went to. We were all invited to provide a quote and everyone's quote recorded and published in the magazine when it came out. Yeah, And my quote was, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. And wow. that may be quite profound when we think about the direction that my career has gone in. I'm not paying out on anyone that's working hard trying to make bank and working hard to make a living. That is a noble pursuit to sacrifice your own ambition for the sake of bringing up the kids and to try and layer up on what your parents have given you is something I think that most of us want to do. We don't want to regress. We want to go forward. However, the pursuit of money for the sole end of more money speaks more to being a lover of money than a user of money.
1: And this is the change that I've seen in you, since I've known you for a couple of decades now, is that you're very focused at the moment on saying, look, I'm happy to teach you how to make coin as long as you use the coin properly. And that doing good works is your thing now, which I think is fantastic.
0: Well, adding a context to your money, I'm not here to bash you over the head with the Bible and tell you that you need to do this with your money. It's your choice. It's not for me to say what's better and what's worse. But what I would say, and this is the discussion around significance, is that when you use your money to add meaning to things and causes – That makes you feel like a better person. It feels like you've got something going on in your life which is more than just going to work nine to five and living for the weekends. It adds a depth and a context. And there'll be some people listening to this episode who'll be financially successful but be completely lost. Well, what do I do with my life now? These are the people that need to move beyond survival into significance because they've got the means to do something really memorable and worthwhile and change the world. But they're stuck in, but I'm good at making money, or I'll just do another year or two's worth of work in this job. And they miss the time and the opportunity to really make their money count and begin to build a legacy.
1: So the people listening, you'll teach them how to do the practical stuff, but it's good if they're going to enjoy it, to have that significance there as the goal. Because in your mind, that's what you see is missing the people who are unhappy who make money.
0: Perhaps I could put it this way, Roe. Money won't hug you back. And I see lots of people hugging money, waiting for money to give them the warm embrace and tell them everything's all right. And they're proud of them and they're a success. I'm yet to see that happen. Yeah, but you could hire a hugger
1: with the money. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> hire a hugger. Is that like hire a hubby? <laughs> Sorry, don't do that if you're listening at home. That was just a silly thing to say, but yeah. Good idea. <laughs> Sounds quite dodgy. But no, you're right. You're exactly right. At the end of the day, people don't lie on the deathbed and say, "Yeah, I wish I had more cash?
0: No. You know, shrouds don't have pockets. There's lots of sayings out there that warn us that he who ends up with the biggest bank account doesn't necessarily end up happier, they still end up dead. If the end goal is, and our school motto was, by your deeds you shall be known, if those deeds are, I was known as a really hard worker, is that what you want to be known for? The idea around legacy stems from what do I want to be known for when I'm no longer around to defend myself and the choices that I made. And this is a really powerful thing to think about because most people do survival then significance. I'll get my super fund sorted, I'll pay off my house, I'll get the kids through school, and then I'll wake up at 55 and I've got another five to 10 years of my working life, maybe longer these days, to try and make a bunch and make my life matter. But it's too late. The statistics show time and time and time again that people that leave it too late, leave it too late.
1: So how do you advise people then to choose what their significance is? Well, remember, I'm not an advisor, I'm an educator. Good point.
0: And what I would say is people need to try and ask themselves, it's a practical point, how much of your day or how much of your working week do you spend on survival and how much of it do you spend on significance? It may mean that you have to earn a little less to do a little more in the significance space. Some people say to me, oh, but Steve, I donate my time. I'm like, great. Yeah, instead of... Working that time, you're choosing to donate it. Whether you donate time or donate money, you can only give from what you've got. You can't give from what you don't have. The point I'm trying to make here is that if you want to feel better about yourself, don't look to survival. If you want to feel better about yourself, look to significance. You need to count your money for survival to know you've got enough, but then you need to make your money count in significance to spur you
1: on to go and earn more. And this is something that I've found over the years, the charity sector never talks about, right? There's a whole bunch of psychological studies that show that the act of giving to charities, for example, doesn't just help the person receiving the money. It actually helps the giver. They feel better about themselves. But of course, for some reason, the charity sector never talks about that. And what you're saying, I'm hearing anyway, I think that's what you're saying, is that the joy comes from doing the good work. It's good for the person you're helping and also good for yourself. But we don't talk about the second part.
0: I love it. The number of people who'd say to me, I'm going to give a lot of money when I've earned a lot more. I'll give from tomorrow when I have more tomorrow. It's not the opportunity. The opportunity is not to give tomorrow. The opportunity is to give out of what you've got now. And that's a bit like saying, I'm going to put more wood on the fire when the fire is warm. But to get the fire warm, you've got to put wood on it. And this notion of being generous, people want others to be generous to them. A lot of people listening to this will go, I'd love it if my boss gave me a pay increase. I'd love it if my boss was more generous. And they'll walk past someone on the street asking for money and go, no, not today. I'm not giving you 25 cents. That'd be a 20 and a 5 cents. Or I'm not giving you a dollar. If you expect others to be generous
1: to you, you first have to be generous to others. So you believe that what goes around does come around?
0: The karma bus. Don't get run over by it. Exactly. Drive it. I would prefer to say I believe in the principle of
1: sowing and reaping, but however you get there is however you get there. Tell me this, Steve. This is the thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of the practical stuff, your significance, won't necessarily be some other guy's significance or some other woman's significance.
0: No, I believe that God puts on everyone's heart a cause or a concern that is unique to them. Now, people may share that cause or concern, but for some it's saving the whales, for others it's land care, for others it might be a social injustice issue. There's a number of different ways, and I believe it's that way because there's lots of needs out there that need
1: funding and time. Part of your significance, I guess, obviously, then is tree change. Why tree change?
0: Right. When you look at me, I try and live what I teach. And in my case, I still am in survival. I still run a managed fund, although we're at the wind up stage of it. And I still do a limited amount of education in the real estate space and happily so to keep money coming through the door. But I'm not earning that money for my gratuitous sake. I then take that money and invest it into causes that I find personally fulfilling. And I'm happy to talk about a couple of them right now, just to give context to Please, the listeners. Yeah. The first one is a little bit odd. My daughter, Cassie, did her ACL skiing, and she was going to go in and have surgery and lucked into a study where they were looking at the idea of a bracing protocol and the possibility of an ACL being able to reattach itself. Yeah, right. So a non-surgical fix to an ACL injury. i would never heard of that. No. Well, Cassie was the number one person in this protocol in Victoria, and guess what? Did it work? It worked. Happy ending. Her ACL reattached, and she won't have to go through the trauma of surgery, and all going well decades from now, she won't have osteoarthritis in her knee either from the surgical intervention. How long did it take to reattach? I think she was in a brace for about 15 weeks. So it wasn't a quick fix. And there was some discomfort on her behalf, for sure, in being in a brace except being in the shower. And the point is, in the surgical realm, there's a lot of money that gets made by doing ACLs and a trial needed to be funded to prove or to try and gain evidence to support the hypothesis that the ACL could reattach. I'm happy to fund that. So I've taken six-figure sum of money to fund the research into that trial, because I believe that could be groundbreaking.
1: And it kind of ties in with tree change, because that's an example of nature doing what nature does and healing, and tree change is all about nature too. Well, the tree change project is taking cleared land and planting
0: back a permanent native forest on it, and that tickles my fancy because I'm into land conservation and ecosystems management. Imagine you are in a position where you had your survival so sorted that you had a money machine that continued to pay money into a mechanism that you could use to fund whatever you wanted to do. If you had $100,000 to spend on a legacy project, what would you spend your hundred dollars on?
1: Me. Yeah. Uh, well, it's only you and me in the sorry, studio. Sorry, I, I, I thought that was a rhetorical <laughs> question. I didn't realise you are actually I was talking to the audience, actually. So, I, I, look, I would spend it on whistleblower protection because there's so many areas of corruption where these guys just come out and say what they need to say and they get played. And I think that that would help society enormously. That's, yeah, so that's kind of my your, thing.
0: Your cause and concerns different to mine. Is it wrong? Is it better? Is it worse? No, it's it's what's on your heart. The point I'm trying to make is that a lot of people never even think, what if I had $100,000 or a million dollars that I could allocate to these things that I find important because they're so consumed in day-to-day survival. Got it. Yeah. And if we could start thinking about, if I had more resourcing, then I'd love to do this. It shifts our attention from survival into significance. It's unrealistic to expect you have a million bucks to write a check today, but maybe it starts with a $10 donation or maybe it starts with an hour of time spent helping out here and gradually it will grow.
1: Let me ask you this question about something I've noticed through your journey in terms of becoming an educator. Did you find at times that you were teaching people how to make money, practically how to make money, knowing that you were dissatisfied that they weren't then using it well?
0: No, I've never judged anyone on what they choose to do or don't do. I was more worried that I was teaching people how to make money, but they weren't at a position where they'd be able to use that information because they're investing their way out of a crisis. And even if they got out of that crisis, they'd fall in another crisis because they didn't have the skills to be able to make and manage their money. So whatever they earn wouldn't stick. No, I'm not here to judge anyone on what they do. That's not my, my job. I'm a empowerer and how you choose to use your money is entirely your business.
1: Okay. So moving forward in the next episode, so we're getting a little bit more practical. The one I'm looking for is the uh, lotto ticket. Can we do that next?
0: We can do the Lotto Ticket next. Excellent. I love that one. That's because you love Lotto, which is funny because you're a very strong advocate against poker machines.
1: Well, in my professional life, and my political work, I do campaign against poker machines. But look, I'm not against gambling. I'm just against con jobs and the pokies are a con job. And I actually don't buy Lotto Tickets, but I understand why people do. I actually like the psychology of it, which you kind of cut down in your book.
0: Well, in the next episode, I'll prove to you how you can win the jackpot without ever buying a lotto
1: ticket. Can't wait. Talk to you then.
0: So folks, as you've been listening to today's episode, if you've liked it, please refer it on to people who you think could benefit from listening to it. And as always, five stars all the way.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet Podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au. Until next time, bye for now.